we do appreciate God tonight and appreciate what the Lord and it's a, it's a some things is happening that's sort of amazing me uh, how God is reaching out and touching people seems like here in the last little while we be places and somebody will come up and they'll ask uh, concerning the church we had a young couple not real young but probably in their late 20s maybe right getting close to 30 somewhere I already got a young child of few years old maybe six seven and uh, asked us about church and they've been to church somewhere or another and uh, uh, shown showed quite a bit of interest in the, in where they go uh, probably has been the not holiness church but they were uh, concerned and uh, asking about different ones that they knew that came here uh, in church and uh, seemed like they just had an interest and they uh, asked Carol a bunch of questions and things and uh, I feel like God's working with them and uh, uh, you know good people like to be with good people that's right and so uh, I feel like God is uh, stirring hearts of people and as I've said in times past people that we wouldn't even dream of that God is touching their hearts and God's going to have a church. You know what he told the, uh, uh, told the children of Israel and Jesus told the Jews? How oft I would have gathered you. And in so many words, how many times have I called you and, and I've uh, reached out for you, but you would not. And so he went on to eventually to reach out to the Gentile nation and through his uh, disciples and let them preach, especially the Apostle Paul, he was to reach out and to, even though the Jews there, many of them uh, denied his deity, denied him as being the son of God. Uh, but he said he was going to have a church. And if he has to take it among the Gentiles, he'll have a church. And so that's why tonight that you and I uh, have this great opportunity. Many of the Jews of that day, uh, uh, you remember what they said at his crucifixion, let his blood be upon us. And our children, and did they, if they would have understood uh, about the Holocaust and uh, all that was going to take place and the, the bloodshed and uh, what they really asked for. You know, sometimes you got to be careful what you ask God for because he'll probably give it to you, good or bad. And they asked for the bad, and God gave it to them just exactly like they wanted it, and they asked for it. Let his blood be upon us and our children. And their children, millions, suffered slaughter simply because of what they asked for. And uh, uh, I do appreciate the Lord, appreciate what he's doing and what he's uh, about to do for us. And God is about to do something great for us. All right. Uh, let's read in uh, John chapter 16, start about verse 7. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you, which is talking about the Holy Ghost. But if I depart, I'll send him unto you. And when he has come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. And of sin because they believe not on me, and of righteousness, because I go to my Father, and you see me no more. 
and of judgment because the prince of this world is judged. And uh, I don't know. I know I've testified about it. I've heard a lot of people talk about it, uh, what we're going to preach about tonight just for a little while. And uh, uh, you, you don't find uh, much said about this particular word in the Bible as far as the word itself. But we go back to verse 8, and we read here, he said that he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. And when we use this word reprove, we, we come up with a word called convict. Convict the world of sin. And I want to preach tonight about a, a, a subject, and I know you've heard it said, and if you haven't heard it said, you're going to hear it tonight for the first time. Anybody here tonight that's never heard the phrase old-time conviction? Anybody here tonight? Well, most of us have heard it somewhere if it's just been recently or a long time ago. And I want to preach tonight, God help us, about old-time conviction. I've looked at a lot of problems, a lot of issues, and a lot of, lot of things in the last little while. And I've, I've uh, thought, Lord, what can be said or what can be done to change or make it better? And I thought, well, I know this would do it, you know, and this would do it, and that would do it. I know those things would do it. But what is it going to take to universally change people's thought pattern, people's way of thinking, uh, people's way they feel about things, what is it that's going to really register on their heart and mind to convince them that uh, there needs to be a change made somewhere or another? Amen. I believe tonight that when I got saved, that thing that we're preaching about tonight, old-time conviction got a hold of my heart. Anybody else that got a hold of you? Amen. You remember when people used to pray for, for the lost and they'd pray, Lord, make them so miserable they can't sleep. Lord, make them so miserable that they can't eat. God, I mean, make, make their life so miserable that uh, they'd want to turn to you for help and get some relief and forgiveness of sin. But, Lord, make them a nervous wreck. Amen. We don't hear too much about that now. You know why? Because about half the church anymore is pacified off with nerve pills. Amen. Have at least a little bit of problem. Let's run to the cabinet. Let's get us a nerve pill. Amen. Praise God. We have so numb anymore that when, when things come our way, we're so deadened out with the medication, we don't have enough sense to know when God does come by. When God's a speaking to our heart, praise God, you might as well help me put on the brake. It's going to start smoking right where you're sitting, and I'm going to see it, praise God. But I'm telling you the truth tonight that the doctors have ruined our church world with medication. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. It's just like gold. It, it, let, me, let me get my fairy tales start here. First off. Which one of them that wore that slipper in them little kids' stories? Cinderella wasn't Goldilocks. See, I know that was wrong. Cinderella. And that dude, if I remember that little story, 
he went around and he finally found the one shoe fit. And boy, was she ever happy after that. That's right. And I'm going to tell you tonight, if the shoe fit, you could get happy if it, before this service is over. Praise God. Amen. And so we, we find here that he said that, that uh, this old-time conviction, and I've looked, like I say, I've looked at a bunch of problems. I've looked from every way and every angle or a lot of angles. I'm not, not ever because I'm not smart enough to figure out all of them. But I've looked at a lot of different situations in a lot of different places. And I believe tonight that I've got the answer. Lord, what could we use as one type of antidote that would take care of that problem, that would bring it around and cause it to fall in place just like it needs to be uh, fall in place? And I believe tonight if we could get a good dose of old-time conviction flowing back through our church world, getting in the hearts and Christian people come, become convicted, amen, get to the place that things would bother them again, to where they would realize that uh, there's a right and there's a wrong. But I said we got people anymore, they're so drugged up, they don't know what's wrong. Amen. Praise God. Amen. I'm not against medication. Don't you get me wrong. But I'm telling you one thing tonight. I believe sometimes that if people would get down on their knees instead of trying to find them a new doctor here and yonder to fill their pill bottle, they'd be a whole lot better off, praise God. I believe we'd see God moving in people's lives more. I believe we could see more miracles are happening. I believe we could get a hold of God. But you know what tonight? We are missing something in our last days in this time. And it's called old-time conviction. Praise God that will cause a man to see himself the way God sees him. Cause him to feel uh, sorrowful over what he's doing and what he's uh, been doing. Praise God. Amen. They tell me that back years, many years ago, and I remember some things, but they tell me they remember when they used to have revivals. You could come through the different parts of the country, not just Buckeye Hollow, but all over this countryside. That people, you could hear people praying during revival time. People would be in the, in the, in the smokehouse, behind the house, on the hill, in the sinkhole, somewhere praying and trying to get a hold of God. Amen. Because there was people that need to be saved. And God would send a revival through, and people would start repenting. People take the chickens back they stole, take things back that they was dishonest with, went and told, tell people they're sorry that they'd done them wrong. I'm going to tell you what, if we ever lived in a day, we need that old-time conviction, Brother Howard, coming through the church one more time, praise God, before the coming of the Lord. He said that when he would come, he would reprove the world of sin. He would convict that sin. And if you'll just stay with me just for a little while, I'd like to try my best to preach to you. Jesus went unto the Mount of Olives in John chapter 8 and verse 1. And early in the morning he came again into the temple, and all the people came unto him. And he sat down and taught them, and the scribes and Pharisees brought unto him a woman taken in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, they say unto him, Master, this woman was taken in adultery in the very act. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned, but what sayest thou? They were only you, they weren't interested in the woman. 
They could care less for what she had done. All they were looking for something to condemn Jesus with that they may find some accusation to him to have him crucified. But Jesus, being who he was, and this they say tempting him that they may have to accuse him, but Jesus stooped down and with his finger wrote on the ground as though he heard them not. And when they continued asking him, he lifted up himself and said unto them, He that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone at her. While all that's going on, he, again, he stoops down and he wrote on the ground. And they which heard it, being convicted by their own conscience, went out one by one, beginning at the eldest, even unto the last. And Jesus was left alone and the woman standing in the midst. And when Jesus had lifted up himself and saw none but the woman, he said unto her, Woman, where are those thine accusers? Hath no man condemned thee? She said, No man, Lord. And Jesus said unto her, Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. They were wanting to condemn her to death. That was their purpose. But for those that came to condemn her, the Bible said here, after Jesus stooped down and he wrote something in the ground, and said they and they which heard it being convicted by their own conscience. Amen. To my knowledge, you'll not find that word convicted nowhere else in the Word of God. But they were, and we have used that phrase, all-time conviction, 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 conviction come up on somebody, conviction come up on somebody. And I think that we're safe in being able to use that phrase based on this particular scripture because these men were convicted in their spirit and in their heart by what Jesus had said, he that is without sin, let him cast the first stone. So they were convicted of, of what was going on inside of their heart. They were guilty of something, maybe of the same thing. We don't know. But if they could truly condemn her to death and yet stand in innocence and say, no, I'm not condemned, I'm not sinned, I don't have sin in my life right now, he says, you got the right cast stone at her. And after they examined their life very quickly, something went off in their heart, and it was called old-time conviction. They began to look and realize, hey, uh, if she's guilty of death, I'm guilty of death. If she's guilty of sin, I'm guilty of sin. And so old-time conviction got a hold of all of those there, those persecutors, every last one of them. And when they stood up and looked about, there was nobody left but Jesus and that meant they had accused. You say, do you think she was guilty? I believe she was. Jesus told her, said, don't go, don't go in the, and don't sin no more. So somewhere or another, she had sin in her life. She was guilty. But I'm going to tell you what. Jesus said, I didn't come to condemn you. It meant to destroy you. But he said, and in his other scripture said that they, he came that we may have life and have it more abundantly. And so even after her sinful life and sinful deeds, 
he was still, in, still willing to forgive her, but yet those that stood there and their heart was convicted in them. Amen. Let's talk about that just a little while. I ain't too smart. I love, I love dictionaries. I learn a lot from dictionaries. Amen. We find that word convict, when it's used like a verb, it's to find and prove to be guilty. To convince something of error or a sinful thing. Or it's to find a defendant guilty when we talk about being convicted of something. When something is uh, and it's used in the form of a noun, it says here, it's talking about, uh, uh, how many remembers the days when we were kids and they had the people worked on the road and people would go all to pieces. Hey, there's a convict escaped. Anybody remember that? I mean, we didn't have uh, all the tellers we got now. And uh, word get to the country store, Lincoln. Hey, he's a convict out. He could have been 500 miles. People went to panic. They locked their doors. They pulled the windows up. They, young ones, y'all watch when you come home. There's a convict out. And so we find that word convict is a noun. That was a person that had been convicted, con that had been guilty of a crime. And most of the time it was considered a dangerous crime. And people feared for their lives and feared for the safety of themselves and feared for their family because there was one that had been convicted. Praise God. I tell you what, tonight we need more convicts that admit I'm a convict. Praise God. God has convicted me of sin. He's convicted me of hell. And I want to raise my hand and say, hey, I'm guilty. Praise God. I, there's been something that's condemned me. There's been something that's convicted me. There's been something, praise God. Therefore, I am the, And all of those that left Jesus was a bunch of convicts because they'd been convicted of their sin. Amen. And so, when we look at that, 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 that convict, amen, we find that uh, there's a per person serving usually a long prison sentence. A person convicted of and under sentence for a crime. And tonight, I know we're convicts. We've been convicts, praise God. I'm going to tell you why. I believe I used it this morning or last night. Or when last night it had to be this morning. The Bible said that we have all sinned and come short of the glory of God. Somebody asked the question, what, what, what is sin? It is a crime against God Almighty. That's what it is. We have committed crimes against our, our Heavenly Father and His Son, Jesus Christ. We have committed crimes, so therefore there was a time in our life that we were considered convicts. Amen. But we go on. And we find here that there's a, another thing. And it says it's to find or prove to convict somebody of something is to find or prove them guilty. Jesus stood with those fellas. And as he made the statement, you without sin, you, you can cast the first stone at her. But as he stooped to the ground, he began to write and some have... The, 
I believe it was left for our imagination. He may have told the story about one of the bystanders or several of them in the sand. I don't know what he did. But I believe that they were interested enough that they probably looked down over his shoulder and tried to figure out what's he writing. I would, wouldn't you? I'd have been interested what he was putting on the ground. But whatever he put on the ground, they knew. He knew. They knew, and they were convicted in their heart, and they knew, and they, were found, they found themselves guilty of sin. Amen. Guilty of sin. Amen. But we, we, we find here that uh, goes on. And give you another. Uh, Carol can help me out on this English grammar stuff. I never was too good at English. I, went, I didn't go to school. I was, I, went, I was enrolled 13 years, and I'd be afraid to say how many days I was there. But I sure missed a bunch of them. I missed 61 that year, I know. And uh, I remember the woman in guidance, she said, Wade, you are the healthiest sick boy I've ever seen in my life. And uh, I knew what she was getting, and the good thing was she was related to me, uh, Benita Smith. And uh, so uh, she... she uh, she, uh, she laughs even yet today about some of my pitiful excuses why I didn't come to school. Hit my head on a cold bin one time. Made me so bad I just couldn't go to school the next day. But it didn't hurt me to get out and run around. That boy hit, hit, hit me about the time the bus run. Bad. Bad. Anybody ever had to hit them bad about the time the bus run? But boy, there was a miracle cure as soon as those taillights got out of sight, you got to feel them better. I'm telling you it would. So, uh, I know about those things. And, uh, but uh, we find here, uh, what's a trans transitive verb? No? Huh? Yeah. Carries action something else. See, I told you I didn't know. I know what a verb is, but I didn't know that part of it. It's to find or prove to be guilty, convince of error, uh, to act and or process of convicting a crime, especially in a court of law, the act of convincing a person of error and compelling the admission of the truth. And that's exactly what Jesus did. He was convincing those people with conviction. He compelled them, look at yourself, figure out, are you guilty or not? And I'll tell you what tonight, when I got saved, there was a spirit came to me. It convicted my heart. It said I was a criminal. It said I committed a crime against God. It didn't use those words. But now that I know what I know, I feel like I understand it even better. And it convinced me, conviction convinced me that I was a sinner, that I needed saving, that I needed salvation. We have a church world today. People are in churches all over this countryside tonight. And they have never been convinced that they're sinners. They're not convinced that they're sinners. If it had, they'd quit sinning. But they, they have never really felt what a convict would feel. That conviction, I've been found guilty at charge. Amen. And so, when we look at this here, he said that, it's a strong persuasion or belief, the state of being convinced. We, we must be convinced that we're undone and we were lost without God. 
We can't go to heaven on a, just to do better or going to church regular or paying our tithes or giving in the offering. Those things are fine and they're helpful to the church. But I'm going to tell you what. We need another good wave of old-time conviction to come through the country that will cause people to get on their knees and pray and get a hold of God and realize I'm lost, I'm lost, I'm lost. I'm a sinner. If I die in this shape, I'll go to hell. Amen. Praise God. Amen. And so, let's read on. Titus 1 and verse 7. For a bishop must be blameless as the steward of God, not self-willed, not soon angry, not given to wine, no striker, not given to filthy lucre, but a lover of hospitality, a lover of good men, sober, just, holy, temperate, holding fast the faithful word as he hath been taught, that he may be able by sound doctrine to exhort and convince gainsayers. What was he saying? Go back to that word com, uh, convict, which means to convince. And the, the preacher said, a bishop, a preacher, he should have enough spirit in him that he knows enough of the Word of God, that he's capable of preaching against sin, against all the gainsayers, and expose sin to them and tell them, this is sin, this is sin, this is sin. Amen. You know, the sad thing is, we, we know and we expect sinners to commit sin. But we live in an era and a time today there's a spirit of challenge. And people want to challenge the truth of God. That's right. They want to challenge it. I remember when sinner people was afraid to say anything about the church or Christian people. Anybody remember days of that time? Let me tell you what. There was a Buckeye Hollow had a bunch of old rough boys about when you come up, Lincoln. But I'm going to tell you what, I mean, they'd turn your toilet over, they'd do about anything. But there's some things that I know what I'm talking about. You could, they, they were just mischievous, I ain't saying mean, they are just mischievous. They was in a little bit of everything. They'd fight amongst themselves, they'd gamble, they'd play poker, they'd drink a little bit, and they'd do a bunch of things. But you couldn't hardly get one of them never say a nod against the house of God or the people of God. They may have not been Christian people. But they had such a, com a, 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 a conviction upon them and realized that's dangerous to do. They had a fear about them. And if somebody would, it would somebody in their crowd, it didn't bother them to speak of, hey, you better keep your mouth shut off of that. They'd, they'd correct them in a heartbeat. But I'm going to tell you what, we expected the sinner people to feel that way. But now we have that challenging spirit that's in the house of God. People are go living like anything, living like the world, and almost dare the preacher to ever say a first thing about it. And if they do, they're right ready to jump up and challenge them. Praise God, I tell you what, you better be careful. I better be careful when we challenge the truth of God. God liable to let something bad sit up on us. Amen. Amen. I think I mentioned something about this other night, and I think it'd just be good to talk about it again tonight. I read a news report from a doctor. And there had been some studies done among the Jews. 
not just those that's there in Israel, but those that have been scattered out all of the country, and they've been doing surveys of all that they could gather up uh, information. And they have found out that there's certain things, certain diseases that's very common among the Jewish people, not just because of their geographical location, those that live in, 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 the, in that part of the world, but even those that are in the United States and those that are in other parts of the world. They find that they're, they said it's a genetic trait. There's the diseases that's been common among them. And they say, doctors say, we have figured it out. It is because it is by genetic research we can figure it's because it's handed down through the genes. I agree with them. That's right. But I remember when they were making their way out of, out of Egypt and God spoke to the children of Israel. He told the children of Israel, he said to, to go forward, and he began to tell them, said, uh, not to commit these sins, and if, but if you do uh, forsake me and you forget me and you go backwards, you backslide, you get away from God, he said, uh, pray that none of these diseases will come upon you that came upon the Egyptians. And many of those diseases that plagued the Egyptians to come upon you. Amen. And so they're being plagued by this so-called genetic disorder. Genetics, nothing. It's nothing more than the hand of God because they failed to be convicted of sin. They failed when old-time conviction came their way and allow it to deal with the heart and speak to them. They were not allow that spirit to convince them. And I can tell you how bad it got that God opened up the earth and destroyed Korah and those that stood with him. God allowed serpents to come down and bite them, and they died of the, of the bite of the serpent. And so when we look at, when we become, get to the place, and as I said, now, today, again, people go for years living a good life, and all of a sudden they get to doing this and dibble-dabbling and that, and I don't have to name it. You know what sin, praise God. You know what you ought to be doing, and I'm going to tell you tonight, and I'm speaking primarily to those that's been in the way for a while. But when people let their children dress every way and do every way, when they after a little while, challenge me and I'll tell you all. I'm going to tell you what. Amen. I've got so worried about our next generation come up. They ain't hardly none of them knows how to dress right no more. That's right. That's right. Praise God. That's right. I'm telling you tonight, we need another good dose of convicting spirit. We don't need that challenging spirit to challenge the Word of God and challenge the truth of God and challenge God's Word. We need conviction to come through that men and women will get in such a shape that they'll fall out with sin and want to be saved. God, what, do I, what must I do to be saved? Amen. That question needs to be asked again over and over. What must I do to be saved? And I believe we can take it one more step farther. We need to say, Lord, what must I do to stay saved? Amen. And so he goes in the book of Jude, and he said here, speaking about some things, he said to execute judgment, verse 15, upon all, and convince all that are ungodly among them and of all their ungodly deeds which they have ungodly, my, ungodly, 
ungodly, ungodly among them, ungodly deeds, ungodly committed, and of all their hard speeches which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. Amen. I didn't put all these ungodlies in it. I believe if I can count the four, it looked to me like we got four ungodlies right there in that one little passage of Scripture. And he said to convince men of all of their ungodliness today. I'm going to tell you what. People, we can pat them on the back. But somewhere, we have to quit patting on the back. We got young Christians that comes on, and they must grow in the Word of God just like us. They have grown in days gone by. I believe in that. I believe in that. But I also believe that this, that when we lose that spirit of conviction, we no longer feel that things are wrong. We no longer, and we lose that sense of being convinced. We are no longer convinced no more. Amen. Amen. You may not know it tonight, and it's not because that I'm a preaching it. This is a million-dollar message. It'll save the church. It'll save the world. Honey, it'll save your children. It'll save your spouse. It'll save your grandchildren. It'll save your neighbors. It'll save your enemies. If we could just get old-time conviction flowing back through this part of the country and all over our country again, you say, do you believe that it can happen? I believe it can happen. If it didn't, I wouldn't, didn't, I wouldn't be a preaching on it tonight. But I believe that, uh, that old-time conviction can come through and it will convince men ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds which they have ungodly committed and of all their hard speeches which ungodly sinners had spoken against him. Ungodly, 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 ungodly. Praise God. There ain't nothing going to work. There's not but one cure for ungodliness, and that is conviction. Amen. That's the only antidote I know tonight that will ever work and pour it on and heal, heal up ungodliness. Amen. Is let conviction come upon us. Let us be convinced that the word of God is true. Let him be uh, the truth and every man a what? A liar. Amen. He went on to say here, talking about those ungodly things, these are murmurs. Maybe I better jump this one because I may get uh, some... Uh, uh, you know, somebody read along with me. Somebody read in Jude chapter 1, start verse 15. Just read along with me. We'll go to verse 16. Give you a second. He's talking about the ungodly among them that commit ungodly deeds, and, the, and the, they have ungodly committed, and all the hard speech which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. Now he's going to tell us what these are, all these ungodly things. We might think it's ungodliness. It does cover a lot of things. But listen to what he said. These are murmurs. Huh? I ain't going to read that. But is it in there? It said what? So, what? 
Oh, y'all got to come on now. Man. Don't say that. Don't say it. Don't, 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 don't tell me that a, a person sits around and complains all the time is an ungodly person. Huh? Yeah, but I thought ungodly people was the harlot, the drunkard, the dope addict, the man, the thief, the rogue, the liar. Is what? A simple thing is complaining? God thinks of people like that's ungodly. He must do it. He said they were. And what else? Wagging out, walking after their own lust. And that don't mean just lust of the flesh. Their, own, their mouth speaks of the great swilling words and have men person in admiration because of advantage. Oh, Brother Jim, I'll overlook that because you just inherited a million dollars. Can't he help the church? He's going to give me half of it. Long as I don't convince him. As long as I try to keep that conviction away from old brother Jim. Jim, give me half. Ooh, Lord have mercy. I'm a half a millionaire already tonight. All I got to do is not preach about ungodliness. Don't preach about murmuring and complaining. Because Jim said, I'll give you, give you half of it. Praise the Lord. You say things like that don't happen. It does happen. That's right. Things like that happen. And he said, and uh, they have a men's persons in an admiration because it's to my advantage. It's to my advantage. He's on the boat. He's the head chair. And uh, I need a new car, and he's got half a million dollars. Says, I've been feeling like buying you a new car. The NPR just get me a new diesel four-wheel drive truck with dual wheels. Amen. Now, I want a maroon one, too, or a red one. But no, I'd rather have a maroon. I'd rather have a maroon. Praise God. I'm going to tell you why. You can believe it or not, there's been many a church person bought off. They've been bought off. I know that was a little silly illustration, but I'm serious as a heart attack. There's been a lot of people bought off. I'll quit playing my guitar, Daddy. You get the preaching on me, I'll show you. You can't do without me. I can do without you, Caleb, when it comes to sin, son. Not that we got a problem. I'm going to tell you tonight, you think that God is going to let, let us suffer because of people that fail to be convicted by sin? It may, it may slow us down for a second and just for a little while. But after a little while, God will raise somebody up, and I'll tell you what, he'll build a fire under them, and they'll begin to worship and praise God, and they'll be able to do what needs to be done, and the job will be done. Amen. Praise God. Praise the Lord. Yeah. Uh, murmurs. I don't like ways of doing it. I don't like this. I don't like that. I don't like it. Well, there's a bunch of stuff I don't like either. Amen. But sometimes we're just better off keep our mouth shut and pray for it. Amen. But we live in a world when men want the admiration of others. And they'll do whatever. And we look here 
There's a spirit that's among us to, uh, to convince us of our wrongs and our errors. I'll not take time to read it all, but let me let tell you where it's at. In Acts chapter 26 and verse 24 through 32, we find here that uh, Paul uh, uh, was speaking to uh, King Agrippa. And he said in verse 27, I'll just jump down. He said, King Agrippa, believest thou the prophets? I know that thou believest. He was knowledgeable. Then Agrippa said unto Paul, Amen. He said, Almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. Amen. You know what? Conviction settled in on him. That's what happened to him. That's exactly the only thing Alan could ever convince a man to almost be a Christian. As I told Sunday school this morning, I spoke to that man and big tears rolled down his eyes. He said, I don't know what it is. But when I come to church that day, he said, hey, when I get in church, that all I want to do is cry. I cry. I said, it just makes me so nervous and I want to cry. I said, you ought to thank God that you can feel that. I said, do you know what that's called? He said, what? I said, old-time conviction. I said what it is. God had opened a door for you, and you need to go through it when he got it there. That's when conviction was dealing with your heart. And he sat there this morning, Bobby, in tears right there in the middle of a store, and tears run plumb that off his cheek. And I didn't make a big, loud commotion about it, but I didn't whisper it either. I wasn't ashamed to tell that man, you need to be saved and let old-time conviction. Old-time conviction was convincing of him of his sin and therefore he has now become a convict he realized I am a sinner I'm lost and undone without God Amen. sin has already let me tell y'all something tonight y'all know that sin's already been judged our sin we as Christian people we're going to be judged but the, every act of sin has already been judged, and the punishment upon every sinful act is hell. So we don't have to wait for sin, the, the, the sin, the, the, whatever it is, the deed to be. It's already been decided what the punishment's going to be. But, but for us, it, we must make that decision for ourselves how we live. And so... He looks at him. They even went on to the place there right before that when he was talking to, to uh, Festus. He said, Paul, thou art beside thyself. Much learning doeth make thee mad. In other words, you're deranged. You're a crazy man. Man, don't you have enough sense? You're talking to rulers that can uh, say live or die. But Paul had already been convinced. Conviction had got a hold of his heart. He now has the boldness of a lion and the gentleness of a dove when needed be. And so, therefore, he did not hesitate to tell King Agrippa, King Agrippa, this is what Jesus did for me. This is what I was, and this is what I am now. And he testified, and he was so positive, and he had so much influence and the tone and, and, and the spirit of, that he was in, he looked at a man and said, and the man replied back, you just, just, just about convince me that's what I need to be. We got a bunch of people 
in this world that's just right that close to becoming a Christian. They're just so close to becoming a Christian. They're almost convinced. If they'll let old-time conviction convict their hearts, convince them of what they need to be and do. Uh, real quickly, amen. Could I tell you I read of a story where a man... He got convinced, but he got convinced too late. Amen. He got convinced too late. Matthew chapter 27. And when the morning was come, all the chief priests and elders of the people took counsel against Jesus to put him to death. And when they had bound him, they led him away and delivered him to Pontius Pilate, the governor. Then Judas, which had betrayed him, when he saw that he was condemned, repented himself and brought again the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and elders saying took the money back I have sinned in that I have betrayed the innocent blood and they say what is that to us see thou to it and he cast down the pieces of silver in the temple and departed and went out and hanged himself. He waited too late to be convinced. He knew he had betrayed the Son of God. We can only get saved when God allows us to. Revelations 3 and verse 7. And to the angel of the church of Philadelphia write, These things saith he that is holy, he that is true, and he that hath the key of David. He that openeth and no man shutteth and shutteth and no man openeth. I know thy works, and behold, I set before thee an open door, and no man can shut it. For thou hast little strength, and have kept my word, and thou hast not denied my name. Amen. So tonight, think about it. How many like pray for old-time conviction? Get on you, on your people, on your neighbors. On your loved ones, everybody through this country, if we could see just another good flood of old-time conviction, we're going to see people that need to be saved. saved. We're going to see people that just sort of been hanging in limbo for a while. We're going to see them move up and get closer to God. We're going to see people that's never shouted a lick in their life draw nigh to God, and he said, I'll draw nigh to you. When we get convinced, and we let conviction and become convicted of whatever we need to be convicted of. And that's found guilty. 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 Amen. I've been asked a few questions before uh, and just sort of, you know, just sort of take it in a humorous way. I've looked and said, guilty is charged. Guilty is charged. Amen. I want to know tonight, and we don't have to have a show of hands, but how many really would like to God to just send old-time conviction their way? People sees it on us. They want it. It'll get on them. Amen. We become convinced. We realize where we're at. We look at ourselves and see ourselves as God sees us, and that's what conviction lets us do. We sometimes look at us the way the devil wants us to see ourselves. But when we ask for God, God, let me see myself as you see me. I won't see it that way, Lord. Could you let me see 
myself. And if we see that, I believe God would touch us in a way that we'd say, hey, I believe I want to do better. I want to get closer. Amen. Todd, that's all in the world's happened to you, son. You saw yourself as God's been seeing you. And you, you, you didn't like what he saw, and you said, hey, I want, I want to measure up to what God wants me to look like. And I don't mean just in dress, but I'm talking about in spirit, thought, behavior, and all that. God, I, I, I feel, did you, did you feel convicted, Todd, to draw an eye to him and get closer to God? Anybody else here ever felt that conviction come on them? Say, hey, that's what I need to do to get closer to God. Well, sure it is. Well, sure it is. There ain't nothing wrong to feel conviction. That don't mean that we're, we're, we're dying lost. That just means that we've we got another opportunity to get closer to God. Amen. That's all that is. And I appreciate you listening to us tonight.